Hallelujah, everyone. Praise the Lord. I hope that we all have had a blessed weekend. Uh, <clears throat> here we had an extensive uh, weekend. Uh, and we are back today. So, we are going to pick up today where we left off in Second Samuel chapter 10. Uh, before we get started, though, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. Father, we give you the praise and honor and glory. We thank you, almighty God, for going before us and making all our paths straight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for answering prayers. We thank you, Father, for listening to us and to responding and helping us. And Lord, those out there today who are waiting to hear, give them the peace and the patience, Lord to wait on you. For we know, almighty God, that you hear us and you answer all prayers. Lord, we give you all honor and praise to you, Father. And we thank you, almighty God, for giving us this word, for giving us the instruction we need to live in this life. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask that you go with us today in this word and help us to understand it and define what's going on in our lives today based on what we're reading today. And we ask, Lord, that through these things that we can help others, that we can help them, Lord, see the light, to see the truth, and to walk righteously before you as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that you do for us. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And thank you, Father, for your Son who died on the cross for us. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we honor you, Lord. And we ask, Father, now that you be in us and we in you as we go through your word and give an understanding. Thank you, Father. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we've had quite a few write-ins. Uh, I see where my my son wrote in on Facebook here this week, gave his testimony about his life and what went on with him. Uh, another member of my family gave their testimony, something they've been praying for for some time has uh, come to fruition, and they are happy. In fact, I'm ecstatical. <laughs> I'm tickle pink. Um, but... Lord is moving, and the Lord is blessing. And for that, we give him the praise that's due to him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you like many of us, including myself, who are praying on some things and we haven't received, just stand firm and believe that the Lord is God, and he will deliver. He will bring you through whatever it is that you are asking for whatever it is that you need just be patient it's hard to be patient but be patient and all by all means believe do not turn to the right or the left do not allow the adversary to talk foolishness in your ears rebuke him and keep believing Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now we're going to get started today in Second um, Samuel uh, chapter 10. Uh, this is, um, in the course of time, the king of the Amorites died, and his son Hanum succeeded him as king. Now David thought, I will show kindness to Hanum, son of Nash, just as his father showed kindness to me. 
So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hannah concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Amorites, the Amorite nobles said to Hannah, their lord, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending men to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's men, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments in the middle of their buttocks, and sent them away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho till your beards have grown, and then come back. When the Amorites realized that they had become a stench in David's nostrils, they hired 20,000 Armenian foot soldiers from Beth Roab and Zobath, as well as the king of Mecca, with a thousand men, and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Amorites came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance of their city gate, while the Armenians of Zoboth and Reboth, Rehoth and the men of Tob and Makkah were by themselves in the open country. Now Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Armenians. And he put the rest of the men under the command of Abisha, his brother, and deployed them against the Amorites. And Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Amorites are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the city of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Armenians, and they fled before him. And when the Amorites saw that the Armenians were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Amorites and came to Jerusalem. After the Armenians saw that they had been rooted by Israel, they, they regrouped Hadazir and had Armenians brought from beyond the river, and they went to Helam with Shobach, the commander of Hazadah's army leading them. Then David, who told of this, when David was told of this, he gathered all the Israel and crossed the Jordan and went to Helam. The Armenians formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him. But they fled before Israel, and David killed 700 of their charioteers and 400 of their foot soldiers. He also struck down Shubak, the commander of the army, and he died there. And when all the keys, when all the kings who were, who were vassals of Hadassah saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So, the Armenians were afraid to help the Amorites anymore. Okay, chapter 11. So, pretty much what you see today. When you have an enemy and your enemy calls on others to get involved with his and your dispute or whatever's going on, um, when you, when you whip the big guy, the, the, uh, strong arm, the one who's doing all the lip service or bringing up the, uh, brute force, when you whip them, then everybody else runs off, okay? 
All right, let's get to chapter 11. Uh, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David set Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israel army, and they destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbath. But David remained in Jerusalem. On the evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, Eliam, and the wife of Ura, the Hittite? Then David's... uh, set messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleansiness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. Okay. Um, when you are in a lusting state in which you pretty much can figure this is what was going on with David. David has five other wives. It's and I'm counting the ones that they mentioned. There were more that he did not mention. There were there were other wives he had children by and concubines. So he's got women galore. So you're seeing something beautiful and you want it, but you're not thinking, right? And this is the case today with men and women. You already have a husband or a wife, and yet you're busy with your eyes over in somebody else's fence or car or office, grinning and sneering and carrying on at somebody else's wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend. And you know that person is already taken or spoken for. Okay. And you think it's okay. Well, let's just see. All right. So this woman is married. He's married. We already know from the scriptures, when you're married, you're married for life. Are you supposed to be fornicating at all? No. So that should tell you right there he's in error. All right, let's uh, move on. So this woman also is pregnant, which is even worse. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uri the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David, and when Uri came to him, David asked him how Joab was and how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uri, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uri left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uri slept at the entrance to the palace with all his... Uh, master servants and did not go to his house. When David was told Uri did not go home, he asked him, "Haven't you just come from 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 a distance? Why didn't you go home?" Uri said to David, "The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab." And my Lord's men are camped in the open field. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day and tomorrow, and I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him. And David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it 
with Uri. In it, he wrote, put Uri in the front line where the fighting is furious, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uri at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the sea came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell more over. Uri and Uri the Hittite died. Joab set David a full account of the battle, and he instructed the messenger, When you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up, and he may ask you, Why did you get so close to the city? to fight. Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Amalek, son of Jerob Besheth? Didn't a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then say to him also, Your servant Uri the Hittite is dead. The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open. But we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the men died. However, your servant, Uri, the Hittite, is dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab. Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Crusty attack against the city and destroy and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uri's wife heard that her husband was dead, she moaned for him. And after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord, of course. Now, Uri might have died anyway in the service, fighting. But David didn't give him a chance. He sent him to his death so that he could so that he could collect his wife. And you have people doing that out here today, doing things intentionally to hurt someone so that they can um, they can benefit from it. And that's not of the Lord. That's of the devil. Those are works of the devil. Okay? And if you're a person trying to live a righteous walk, a righteous life, these are the things that you cannot do. These are the things you have to cut out of your life. And if you can't cut them out, then you need to see God and ask him to help you cut those things out of your life. Okay, um, let's move on to chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared, it shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cow to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. 
David burned with anger against the man and said, Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, and this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hands of Saul. I gave you master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uri the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Amorites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uri the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you before your very eyes. Do you guys understand what he is saying? You take something that is not yours. You are bringing curses on you. You are bringing calamities on you. You are bringing problems to your home that you cannot get rid of. Okay. Um, before your eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in the broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin, and you are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. See? So he, even though she's pregnant, is going to have a son by him. That son is not going to live. It's a debt to be paid. After Nathan has gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uri's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood before him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Daffy, I am podcasting. Please don't call me again. Do it to me every time. Sorry about that, folks. Um, okay. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. And David got up from the ground after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house. And at his request, they served him food and he ate. His servants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought... 
Who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and laid with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. Now, why did the Lord love this one? This one was what? This one was holy and righteous. This was not a sin. He had committed a great sin. He killed a man, took his wife, and then got her pregnant. He sinned upon sin. Okay? Now, here he has married this woman. Okay? Before the Lord. And now he has a child with this woman. So the Lord is blessing him. When you are married and you have children, the Lord blesses you. Praise God. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Um, Not to say that those out there who have children who are not married, that their children aren't blessed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going according to the scriptures, okay? Um, there are women of God out there who have children who are blessed. But then that's between you and God because God lets you know, <laughs> There are women out there who've been told to uh, name their children certain names or to do certain things with their children when they're born um, because those children have been authorized by God. They're sanctioned and they're loved. Okay? So, I'm going according to the scriptures when I say that, people. Uh, when you come together and you have children... Uh, those children, if you're righteous before the Lord, are blessed, and especially if you have boys, okay? All right, uh, let's move on now. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rahab of uh, the Amorites and captured the royal citadel. Jonathan then sent messengers to David saying, I have fought against Rabbah and taken its water supply. Now mustered the rest of the troops and besieged the city and captured it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbath and attacked the and attacked and captured it. Sorry about that. Uh, he took the crown from the head of their king. It weighed was a talent of gold. Wow, that's heavy. And it was set with precious stones, and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, uh, consigning them to labor with saws and iron picks and axes, and he made them work at brick-making. <laughs> Uh, he did this to all the Amorite towns. Hmm. You know, I'm laughing, right? That's what they had to do when they were in Egypt. Remember, they were the big brick builders and um, they were turning up dirt and making the modder and all that stuff. Okay, he did this to all the Amorite towns. Then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. On chapter 13 now. In the course of time, Ammon's son of David fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. 
Now Ammon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Your own sister? Mm. Okay, now Ammon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shema, and David's brother Jonadab, David's brother Jonadab, was very shrewd man. He asked Ammon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? So Ammon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see, see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Ammon laid down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Ammon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. Now, you would think that he would find that art, but I'm sure David's thinking the same thing. They're brother and sister. He's not, he doesn't have any interest in her whatsoever. It's okay. <laughs> not thinking where his son's mind might be. Okay? Remember, David has many sons. So even though this is his brother's sister, it's not probably his full-blooded brother. It's probably his half-brother, you know, from another, from one of uh, David's other wives, okay? Uh, but still, yuck. Okay, uh, so um, who was, um, so Tamar went to the house of her brother, Ammon, who was laying down, and she took some dough kneaded it and made bread in the sight and baked it. And then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Ammon said. So everyone left him. Then Ammon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Ammon's Ammon in his bedroom. That right there would have been a flag for any woman today to say, um, no. Uh, unless there's going to be somebody in the room with me, no. Unless um, I think it's better that you eat out here on the table. <laughs> But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. Don't, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel or anywhere else for that matter. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could, where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools of Israel. Please speak to the king and he will keep me from being, he will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Now, he could have married her because, as I said, he is not the uh, direct brother. He's a stepbrother, okay? And back at that time, that was acceptable because when a woman lost her husband, uh, his brother could marry her and, and have her and take care of his brother's household. That was the custom, okay? 
today that still happens in some uh, countries. It still goes on. So um, depends on where you're at. Here in, in the States, that's not done. That's, that's a no-no. The bloodline is too close. Um, and you could end up having problems with your children later on down the line. Okay. Um, you would be like one of the wicked fools of Israel. Please speak to the king and he will not keep you from being married to me. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then uh, Ammon hated her with instant hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved than he had loved her. So Ammon said to her, "Get up and get out." No, she said to him, "Sending me away would be greater wrong than what you have already done to me." But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said. Get this woman out of here and bolt the door after her. So his servants put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing a richly ornamented robe, but this was the kind of garment, the virgin daughter of the king. For this was the kind of garment the virgin daughter of a king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head. And tore the ornam- and tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her head, she put her hand on her head, and went away weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, "Has that Ammon your brother been with you? Be quiet now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart." And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Uh, Absalom never said a word to Ammon, neither good or bad. He hated Ammon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So two years later, when Absalom's sheep shears were at Baal Hazar, near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. And Absalom went to the king and said, Your servant had shears come. Will the king and his officials please join me? No, my son, the king replied. All of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you, although... Absalom urged him he still refused to go, but gave him his blessings. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Ammon come with us. The king asked him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he sent with him Ammon and the rest of the king's sons. So Absalom ordered his men, Listen. When Ammon is in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, strike Ammon down, then kill him, and don't be afraid. Have not I given you this order? Be strong and brave. But Absalom's men, so Absalom's men did to Ammon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up and moaned them and mounted their mules and fled. While they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom had struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The king stood up and tore his clothes and laid hands on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. But but Jonadab, son of Shimnah, David's brother, said, My lord, should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Ammon is dead. This has been Absalom's express intentions ever since the day Ammon raped his sister Tamar. My lord the king should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. 
Only Ammon is dead. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. <laughs> so, what goes around comes around. Okay? You take something of someone's and you destroy it. Know that it's going to come back. In some form or fashion, it's coming back. And it's going to be costly. And this was the case with his brother. Okay? Now, not only that, but now his brother is running from everybody because he committed a sin. He took life. And you don't take life. Okay? You don't take life because, one, it's against the rule of man. But mainly because it's against the rule of God. Okay? All right. Um, now the men standing watching, watch, look up and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of Hornem on the side of the hill. Jonadab said to the king, see the king's sons are here. It has happened just as your servant said. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in wailing loudly. The king too and all his servants wept very bitterly. Absalom fled and went to Talmi, son of Amahud, the king of Gusha. But King David mounted, mounted for King David moaned, sorry, for his son every day. So even though he had killed his brother, the king still was sorrowful for him. That's his son, right? You're going to moan your son or daughter when, regardless of what they've done. You're still going to moan for them. Um, you're still going to feel for them. After Epsilon fled and went to Gersher, he stayed there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he, he was consoled concerning uh, Ammon's death. Chapter 14. Uh, Joab, son of Zerah, knew the king's heart and longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tico and had a wise woman brought from there. And he said to her, pretend you are in mourning. Dress in mourning clothes and don't use any cosmetics or lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab put the words in the woman's mouth. When the woman went to Tico, when the woman from Tico went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor and said, Help me, O king. And the king asked her, What is troubling? And she said, I am indeed a widow. My husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant, they said. Hand over the one who struck his brother down, so that we may put him to death for life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the hares as well. They would put out the only burning coal to have left, leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go home, and I will issue an order in your behalf. But the woman from Tico said to him, My lord the king, let the blame rest on me and on my father's family, and let the king and his throne be without guilt. The king replied, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and he will not bother you again. 
She said, Then let the king invoke the Lord his God to prevent the avengers of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the Lord lives, he said, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. Speak, he replied. The woman said, Why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convince himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son, like water spilt on the ground, which cannot be recovered. So we must die. But God does not take away life. Instead, he drives away so the banished person may not remain a strangle from him. Is that not true? Mm. And now I have come to say this to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid, your servant thought. I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will do what his servant asks. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hands of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from the inheritance God gave us. Um... And now your servant says, May the word of my lord, the king, bring me rest, for my lord, the king, is like an angel of God, in descending good and evil. May the lord your God be with you. Then the king said to the woman, Do not keep from me the answer to what I am going to ask you. Let my lord, the king, speak, the woman said. The king asked, isn't the hand of Joab with you in all things? The woman answered, As surely as you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything my lord the king says. Yes, it was your servant Joab who instructed me to do this and who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. The king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go bring back the young man Absalom. Joab fell with his face to the ground to, to pay his honor and he blessed the king, Joab said. Today, your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord, the king, because the king has granted his servant request. Then Joab went to Gersha and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. For the top of his head to the soles of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Whatever he cut his hair of his head, he used to cut his hair from time to time when it became too heavy for him. He would weigh it, and it weighed was 200 shekels, by the royal standard. Three sons and a daughter was born to Absalom. The daughter's name was Tamar, and she be, uh, became a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab in the order to send him to the king. But Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. 
Then he said to his servant, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he was barely there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servant set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house, and he said to him, Why have you, servant, set my field on fire? And Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent word to you and said, Come here so I can send you to the king to ask, Why have I come to Gersher? It would be better for me if I had still if I were still there. Now then I want to see the king's face, and if I am guilty of anything, let him put me to death. So Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Now, uh, first of all, he sealed his fate. Okay, he said, if I've done anything wrong, then, then, you know, let me die. Well, you did do something wrong. You raped your brother's sister, okay? Um, but you acting like it's nothing because she wasn't your sister, okay? One. Two, it was absolutely wrong because you didn't marry her. During that time, you had to marry a woman or she was disgraced. Uh, so, yes, he did do something very, very wrong. And in speaking out boldly, he put himself under a curse, saying that if he did anything, then he should die. Okay. All right. So we're going to pick up again um, in Chapter 15 uh, tomorrow, and we'll just see what happens to uh, Absalom. Okay. All right, everyone. This is Mr. McMillan. You have a blessed evening and good night.